I'm Sharon. Welcome to Queen of the Hills podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Queen of the Hills podcast today. We actually have three shows on the docket. We've got um, Stranger Things, Volume 4 finale. We have The Family Chantel, Unusual and Highly Suspect episode, uh, Season 4, and I believe this is Episode 5. And then we also have College Hill Celebrity Edition on BET. So we're going to start with College Hill Celebrity Edition on BET. That is the one with the least amount of commentary. So I'm just going to start with that one for now. Now, this recent episode, we catch up with Stacey Dash, who is now um, at the hospital. And the cast is wondering where she is. They're not really sure. And from what I can see is Stacey did all this because she was ready to go home. And I saw someone on Twitter say, I think that Stacey did this on purpose. I think that Stacey's team put her up to being on this show. And now she no longer wants to be on it. And I think that's exactly it. <laughs> I think that is exactly right. I don't think Stacey Dash wanted to be on the show. I think in some way, shape, or form, there was an intent to repair her relationship with the black community. I'm being so serious when I say that. Stacy has done a number of things to piss off her core fan base. And I don't think she realized that the majority of her fans were black. And I think she got a little bit in her head and deluded herself as to who her fan base was, why she would do that. I don't know. Um, the black community has immense buying power and she decided to become the joke of the political stratosphere. I mean, no matter what side you were on, even the right used her as a joke, used her and abused her. And she was happily participating in that. And that was never more evident than her showing up to the BET Awards and kind of making a joke of herself, except the fact that it went over her head, which let everyone know, like, oh, God, she doesn't know any better. <laughs> she really is from Clueless. Like, she really is that airheaded at least her character in clueless had some semblance of morality and it doesn't seem like stacy dash has that now what i think sent stacy over the edge was the fact that she would be losing her private room because the rest of the group voted and decided that they would do a room swap because she was isolating herself i have mixed feelings on that i'm not a fan of stacy dash i actually think it was a mistake to put her on the show personally because that spot could have gone to someone who was also entertaining i would have loved to see someone else in that spot uh, namely Mariah Huck would have been great in that role, especially with Nene. And I was a little disappointed that she was there because she, Mariah Huck could have served the same type of role. She is um, of a certain age group. She is a very classy lady. She is funny. Her one-liners are hilarious. I got them if you need the receipts or whatever she said when she was sideways walking. <laughs> towards Dr. Heavenly, I definitely would have preferred to see her or someone else in that age group there. But I think we knew that Stacy was a, you know, ratings bonanza, as Carlton Banks would say. And the reason is because she is so controversial. I think seeing her alongside the rest of the cast, people were naturally inclined to be like, what the hell are they about to do together? And she bailed out early, which if you've been paying attention to any of the promo, you knew that that was going to happen because she's not in any of the promo and she's not even in the, the poster. So I don't feel like she was replaced either. So I would have loved to see her, her have a replacement as well. But since this is a college style show, they were already a few weeks into the lesson. So she, the, if they had replaced her, that person would have been behind. But I'm sure provisions could have been made because the ultimate goal is to have a good show, not necessarily to give them this business certificate, which I think is a double whammy. And it's great that they're getting that, but that's not the purpose. So I would have loved to see her replaced. And hopefully that is something we see. So this week, the kids or the, the students, they lost Stacey Dash and good for them because she was bringing down the vibe. She was not fun to watch. And um, even just her rolling her eyes, like I, as someone who is a staunch supporter of to each their own. Obviously, as long as everyone is a consenting adult, no one is imposing their beliefs or views on anyone else and making anyone uncomfortable. I believe that everyone should be able to live the life they want to live. And if it differs from mine, then so be it. It's what is, why would I care? And so when they were talking about how often they've been arrested, how many sexual partners they had when they were playing that card game, she was rolling her eyes the whole time. There is nothing I hate more than a passive aggressive person. Nothing. I mean, there's just so many other states of being. You can be direct. You can be polite. You can be considerate. There's so many ways to, to be. 
especially when you're in an environment where you're where you're foreign judgmental is just not one of those places you should be and as someone who has who has been managed by a very judgmental boss and has been managed by someone who was very passive aggressive it definitely gives me like a monkey on my back when I feel like people are judging me and being like snarky because you could easily just say you know this makes me uncomfortable or I'm not a fan or you know what I'm gonna excuse myself it's just as easy to say that or if you don't know just simply ask questions so it's interesting to see how she managed that i don't want to say relationship but how she managed her time in the office you're going to hear some beeping in the background i'm making some boiled eggs so sorry about that but i didn't want to turn off the recording <laughs> so hey baby it's all real all the time here <laughs> so anyway um i said all that to say stacy didn't belong there and the way that she was conducting herself good for the rest of the team for losing her because now they can actually have some fun and they don't have to try and consider her the entire time i felt like there was this monkey on everyone's back where they had to be like but what about stacy but what about stacy i don't want to just leave her out to dry well now they don't have to worry about that now they can have some real fun so this week we see them they leave marketing and i wish dream doll would stop arguing with the professors she is so fun and so bubbly but her one detractor for me is the fact that she can never be wrong she can't take direction what is her freaking problem it drives me nuts and so this week they're going to dissect a pig well they start off just by viewing the pig and identifying the body parts which no one made that more fun to watch than big frida and you start to see Ray J starting to shut down. So he missed his marketing final. He, the marketing genius, the one that was going head to head with Dr. Cooley is missing his marketing final, but it's for good reason. So he is going through his third divorce. <laughs> I'm not laughing at a divorce. It's just that he and Princess Love file for divorce anytime they have a dispute and it is exhausting to read headlines about them. But they are now, she has now filed, one of them filed for divorce from the other. We hear a conversation with them kind of going back and forth and their issues do seem minor. But who am I to judge? We only saw a snippet and these people are married. So they're probably not going to discuss everything over the phone, especially with him filming. So we see that he is dealing with the fallout from his impending divorce. And also his great aunt died. And I felt really bad for him. The one thing he didn't do was communicate that. So the show let the cast members know, but he did not let Dr. Cooley know that he would not be present. So when he ended up getting a C plus for his final, for his grade, he missed the final. How do you expect to get a good grade? So it was shocking to see how annoyed he was with that. And he like let it bring him down. But I think that was more so about everything else that was going on. And I feel like he was spiraling. I do. Um, Nini, everyone did pretty good. I don't think anybody got an A. I didn't see an A there. But I did see India Love got a great grade. And I was I was so happy for her because she did fight through that social anxiety. And professors like Dr. Cooley are necessary. They are so necessary. I've had professors like that. Dr. Walter Price of Southwestern Christian College, he really helped me um, in my business class because I was really struggling with not paying attention, but most mostly just understanding the the small details i'm a big picture person and every time i went to him for questions every time i went to him for guidance he was more than happy to help me and i love that about my school southwestern was great when it came to the professors everyone was happy to help you they all wanted to see you succeed but you had to do the work and i i loved every single professor i had at southwestern christian college in terrell texas i absolutely adored now the admin on the other side that's a different story but the professors oh a plus a freaking plus everybody uh brother ben foster my chapel teacher like everybody there was fantastic even the bookstore owner he was fantastic i'm just telling you guys like great experience tens across the board so um it's good to see that dr cooley not only helped india love get through her social anxiety but she didn't consider that as part of her grade and you know that a lot of schools will will make every piece of that process a graded piece as opposed to seeing it as an opportunity to nurture teach and mentor they will use it as a way to kind of punish you for things that are kind of out of your control or things that just need to be addressed outside of the lesson plan and dr cooley did a great job of addressing india love's social anxiety and then helping her recover and we saw that she nailed it now everybody received great um criticism 
um, constructive criticism from Dr. Cooley, who is very evenly fair, considerate, and diligent. And I loved watching that process. Ladies, closed toe shoes. <laughs> I feel like she had to go over the wardrobe a few times. Big Frida, those giant space boots? No, ma'am. So it was interesting to watch, but it was good. Um, also, it was nice to see Lamar Odom address the fact that he does not have full cognitive ability based on his because of his strokes and his heart attacks that he had when he had that issue in Nevada. And he's pushing through and he's challenging himself to get better. And it was just really proud of him to be very honest and open about that. Um, lastly, before we get out of here, India loves scene with <laughs> when um, Dream Doll walked out of class. Like, you guys, stop walking out of class. When Dream Doll walked out of class because she was upset that she was simply asked to sign the rest of her papers. That was it. And she received a daily grade, a lower daily grade than she felt she deserved, but she didn't fulfill all the obligations. So, I'm, I mean, come on. Most of these people who are celebrities, they haven't been told no in a long time or they feel like there's a way to work around the rules. Uh-uh, not going to do that in college, especially TSU. All she had to do was sign. Say, hey, sorry about that. I missed it or I misunderstood and sign. That's it. Instead, she threw a tantrum, as always, and she is, I didn't realize Dream Doll was 30. She acts like she's 19. Um, but she walked out of class and India followed her. And I'm thinking, no, India, don't latch on. That's the worst thing you can do when you're in, um, um, in an impaired mental state or when you are dealing with so much mentally and you're kind of, you're not at your best, is latch on to someone else who is a dominant personality because they'll have you doing everything. <laughs> they can really prey on you in some way. But when we see India in the bathroom, all she's doing is doing her hair. She barely even responded to Dreamfall, but she did check on her. So I hope their friendships, friendship continues to grow and blossom in front of us because I am liking it so far. But after India said what she needed to say, fixed her hair, she went back to class on her own and good for her. So she showed her friend that she was there for her, but she also showed that she had her own brain. Good for India, great for India. Um, lastly, justice for the person who simply wanted to use the bathroom and couldn't because India and Dream Doll are in there talking with a whole camera crew and probably boom mics and producers. And <laughs> that person was just like, I really just want to pee. <laughs> I felt so bad because, you know, they're, they're doing this while school is still in session. So these are real students that they're colliding with in their day to day. And so I thought it was so funny that that person just came in and Dream Doll was like hanging on the bathroom door and the person's like, uh, excuse me. <laughs> so that's all for college hill oh oh oh, sorry india india love went to see um the counselor a uh, guidance counselor regarding some of the things that had happened to her in her past and how that stuff is now coming up for her and she can't really figure out why and it's a distraction i am loving india love's presence on this show i am loving the transparency she is allowing and i am really loving the fact that she is not allowing it to get the best of her I am very, very proud of her. And I hope to see her continue on this journey. Now, before I get out of here, when I was at Southwestern Christian College, which has its, its flaws, every college does. Um, but when I was there, my great grandmother passed away during, was it spring break? I can't remember, it was right before or right after, but um, at my house while I was there for the weekend. And I had a lot of stuff coming up. I had a midterm, I had a lot of stuff. And so I, I called, the school and I called the Dean of Students and let her know what had happened. And they reached out to all of my professors and let them know on my behalf. And that was invaluable because I didn't want to keep talking about it. I just kind of wanted to process and push through and I wanted to get it done. And I let everybody know they not only sent their best wishes and, and they were there for me in that regard and said, you know, come back when you need to, you know, we'll definitely, you make sure you have the opportunity to catch up, but right now you need to heal, which I think is part of going, going to a Christian college too, um, but also a Christian college that's based on community. They really rallied and I really appreciated that. Now, when I came back, my biology professor was less than polite about it. Like, I don't know what was going on with her that day because we usually had a great rapport. But when I came back, she was like, a death in the family is not an excuse to miss work. You should have called me yourself. And I was like, oh, well, I asked the dean of students what was the proper protocol and they said don't reach out to my professors to let them do it and i just need to focus on family and she goes well i didn't say it so it doesn't apply and she actually gave me a zero on my midterm 
I appealed it and I can't remember the results, but I did pass the class, but I appealed it. And I just remember my mom being like, girl, even if you, if you, as long as you pass, you're fine. <laughs> she was like, don't worry about getting the grade up. Just make sure you pass. Um, and if I need to go up there, I will. <laughs> like, but she was so nasty to me in front of the whole class. When I returned, she was like, and where have you been miss? And I was like, Oh, I had a death in the family and the Dean of students told me to late, told me not to reach out. And she was like, well, I'm not the one who told you that. So you're getting a zero for everything you miss. You need to reach out to me personally. And I was like, I asked for the proper protocol from the higher ups. They said not to. And she was like, but I didn't say it. zero. And she like in front of the whole class and like literally multiple people were like her grandma died and which was not very helpful. <laughs> oh my God. So anyway, it's good to have mentorship coaching and a staff and, and, and group of people there who mentor you and are considerate of you and uh, see you as a human as well as a student. Um, but yeah, that's College Hill Celebrity Edition. The most recent episode was really good. You can check it out on BET Plus and I watch it through Amazon Prime. Next up, we're gonna talk about The Family Chantel season four, episode five, Unusual and Highly Suspect. I really don't want to see any more Nicole and Alejandro, but I know that that is not what the masses want, so I will stop complaining about it. But I am really over this. <laughs> so sick of seeing Nicole. And this is not a real job. I think this episode where we see Alejandro barge in and they have this full-on melee in a quote-unquote government job in a government office building is, first of all, if this was a government office building, he would not have gotten that close, especially with a whole bunch of bags and luggage without some sort of clearance tag, like no ma'am. So I, I really think that was a lazy job done on their part. And just honestly, any general office building, you're not really about to get that close with all that, well, all that luggage and everything without someone knowing you're there and have a, an identifying reason why you're there. And so Nicole, we're doing this cat and mouse, like, should I, shouldn't I get back with Alejandro? We see a whole lot more Karima than we need to. And it's just a melee where she's trying to decide if she wants to get back with him and he is vying for her love. At one point, Alejandro and Karima have an extremely long on-camera conversation. And I was sitting there thinking, do I even want to keep watching the show? And that's kind of now on me to decide. I don't think I'm going to keep watching it if I keep getting so much Karima and Alejandro. It's not even Nicole at this point. So it's just really annoying. So to the people that we actually care about, um, we see Chantel and Pedro are now going at it and it's getting ugly. So much comes out. So Pedro and Antonella, his coworker who he's been getting very close with, seem to have crossed some sort of boundary in his mind or in real life. I don't know. But he seems to be prioritizing not only her, but his office pals and his office family over Chantel. And he seems to be, again, putting these imaginary rules on Chantel. And I'm wondering where that's deriving from. Now, first, I want to address the fact that his mother was like, I need to give Chantel a list of things that uh, Dominican Republican wives do for their husbands. And I'm like, where would you get that list from the wife of the man you were sleeping with? Because you are a certified side chick. Like she's a certified side chick. She has two children with a married man. That makes both her and that married man scum of the freaking earth. And so I'm not a big fan of his mother. And I'm especially not a fan of how Pedro is choosing to handle this. So Pedro and Chantel's argument about her not cooking and cleaning and the comment that he made about, I come home from work and there's no food on the table. Oh my gosh. So my husband and I actually had a really long conversation. I wanted him to be on this podcast, but he recently got a promotion and his work schedule is freaking bananas. So I'm not going to keep bothering him. <laughs> he actually enjoys the podcast, but I don't want to ask because I really want him to just get settled into his new role and have his moment right now. And then he'll come back. I've gotten a lot of comments on the episodes with him involved, and I'm so happy to hear that you guys like it. I like it too. It's a lot of fun to have someone to not only bounce things off of, but we often don't have the same viewpoint and it's more fun to engage in that manner. But um, it was interesting to see how Pedro is again projecting. I want to continue to be sensitive and empathetic to the fact that he is still processing the situation with his dad and his mom, finding out that his mom was a side chick, probably was a shock. 
I'm not being funny or nasty. I'm being just serious. That was probably tough on him. And then also finding out the fact that his dad just doesn't want a relationship with him. And someone on Twitter actually alluded to the fact that there could be colorism at play because Pedro and Nicole are significantly darker than his brothers who his his dad actually lives in the home with. And maybe that is part of the reason why um, his dad is not really claiming them because apparently over there, colorism is is an issue that's very prevalent as well as here in America. And maybe that played into his dad's decision. I don't know anything about that, which is why I'm not holding that argument close to the chest. I'm just saying what I saw and I thought it was a differing opinion. So I wanted to share. I don't know how true that is to me from my viewpoint. It does appear that his dad was just carrying on with a side chick. She got, she had two babies and he was holding down two families and I think Chantel's viewpoint and her worry is that Pedro is about to try and do the same. Now, if you don't address certain things, they will manifest in your life. My advice to Pedro is to go to counseling and let that shit go. Recognize that it has nothing to do with you and you don't have to carry the burden of your parents, poor decisions, mistakes, or what have you. Your life is not predestined. Your life is not decided for you before you get here. You make the life you want. So if you want to walk in the footsteps of the ancestors, of your ancestors, and do what your mom and your grandma and your sister are all doing, which is carrying on outside of a marriage in some way, and your father clearly did, then you do that. But my advice would be to start anew, break those generational curses, and create a life that you want to live and you're excited for. The fact that he's not ready to come home is, I think, it's really easy to get into that place where I don't want to go home because I don't want to face my responsibilities. Very easy. And the reason is when he's with Antonella, she doesn't know his business. She doesn't know what's going on with his dad. She doesn't, she did not witness everything that was going on. She speaks Spanish. So there's not a, a language barrier and she hasn't had to interface with his jackal filled family. I mean, his family behaves like junkyard pals. They aren't a family. They don't, not only do they not rally, but they int intentionally break up his happiness. They intentionally intervene with anything that brings him joy that is not revolved around them. So if he has a job, I rarely see them ask about his job and congratulate him and support him, but they're quick to put that hand out. Hand barely got smoke in it from the last drop of the dime. Now they want more money. That's all I'm saying. So Nicole had all that to say about Pedro not supporting her. How do you expect to be supported by somebody who you've tried to break up their home? But my point is, his family does not rally and his family has not met Antonella. I hope not, but his Antonella is the life he's living outside of his responsibilities. He don't have to pay bills with Antonella. Antonella is not responsible for making his food or cleaning his house, which bitch please. Antonella is not the person who has to deal with him on the day to day. He doesn't know Antonella's bathroom habits. He doesn't have to see Antonella's hair in the sink or hair in the shower. He doesn't have to put his shoes away because Antonella is planning for a party. He and Antonella don't have a relationship that revolves around responsibility. It's pure fun because it's light, because there's very minimal contact. And so that allows for a fantasy to manifest. But what he has with Chantel, who is a catch, and I'm, I'm just being very moderate. Chantel is absolutely gorgeous. Chantel is a goddess. She has a fantastic job. She's a very sweet person. She is stable. She comes from a stable background. She's very giving and generous, very obviously so. We've observed that. And she's a hard worker and she wants to be a good wife. Like she's, and she's gorgeous and beautiful, but she wants to be good to Pedro. She has him, you know, in her heart. And that's a very different thing than being attracted to somebody. She wants good for him. Has she made mistakes like making fun of his mom when he found out she was a side chick? Absolutely. Which they need to address though. And it seems like he's allowing that to be the center of his focus when it comes to building resentment versus what he's actually upset about, which is his family lied and manipulated him for many years and his dad doesn't want a relationship. And he's feeling backed into a corner and he's lashing out at the closest thing to him, Chantel. And he's looking at, you know, the 80-20 rule. It's so much easier to be with Antonella because they have no responsibility to one another. She doesn't have to hold him accountable for anything. It's a lot easier to build a fantasy and be this character with someone when they don't have the ability or they don't have the, the job of holding you accountable. Because they don't have the care for you in that manner. So that's just a word to the wise of anybody fantasizing outside of their relationships or their marriage. Honey, it's easy to fantasize when there's no accountability going both ways. There's no accountability to be held and no accountability to be had. You can just be who you want to be and you can have a lot of fun.
So <laughs> this would be the wrong thing to do, Pedro, if you're considering what it seems like you're considering. But it seems like uh, Pedro is intentionally starting arguments with Chantel so that he can evade responsibility and accountability with whatever the hell is going on with Chantel, with whatever the hell is going on with Antonella. Because their friendship does seem a little bit improper. It does. Boundaries seem to have been crossed. They don't have to be these sexual boundaries or these physical boundaries, but something is crossing to where you feel like it's okay to behave the way you've been behaving, and that's not okay. When it came down to the car situation where he went and picked up Antonella and drove her home late at night because she couldn't drive, I think she had been drinking, inappropriate, call her an Uber. Call her an Uber and then make sure she got home safe. Or call one of the female coworkers to take her home or even call one of the female coworkers to go with you to take her home, or better yet, call your wife to go with you to take her home. But set that boundary and say, hey, but this can't happen again. Or hey, I'm not really comfortable with you calling me in this manner. I'm your friend, but there are certain things as a married man I'm just not comfortable doing. And that's okay, and a friend of yours will be okay with that. I have married male friends. I would never ask them to pick me up from a bar. Also, the fact that no one, and, and when Pedro got drunk at a bar, he came home and a woman's name was on his key ring. Did he ride or drive with another woman? That wasn't really abundantly clear to me. And then also, they don't know how his car got back home. When Chantel brought that up, that he got drunk at a bar and somehow he made it home and then his car got home, that was a very strange to me. And that I would properly categorize that as unusual and highly suspicious activity not a fan Pedro not a fan uh, not a fan and when he outright told Chantel you know, she said you know well then why are you with me if you don't like anything about me he said I didn't know you would be like this bullshit bullshit you dated Chantel and you were married you dated Chantel for nine months lived with her for nine months before you got married and then you've been married for a while now what five years you, you damn sure did know she was however you're claiming her to be. So to now change the goalpost and then blame her for not knowing you were about to do so or blame her for you changing you know, your needs or not communicating your needs is bullshit. He continues to not be able to identify what his needs actually are, yet he holds Chantel responsible for fulfilling them. That is relationship suicide, first of all. You need to be able to fulfill your own needs and the needs that your partner fulfills are by choice and that should be something that's appreciated. You have to make yourself happy before you can allow happiness in from other people. Trust me, when I was going through a little depression spiral, nothing my husband did could, could make me happy. And I was like, maybe I'm not happy. No, I wasn't, but it had nothing to do with him. It had everything to do with me. And that is a very common thing, especially amongst young couples who are still trying to find their way and trying to make sure they took the right path and blah, blah, blah. So it seems like Pedro has gotten his green card, gotten his stability, and he is ready for an excuse to leave Chantel. And by all means, if you're not gonna do right by her, go ahead and head out. Go ahead and head out. Nobody needs to be sitting around being treated the way you're treating her. I do empathize with, with Pedro about his family stuff. And I think that is the, at the crux of everything that needs to be addressed. But honey, I have a rule. I can deal with a lot of stuff in my marriage. What I will never tolerate, put up with, or work through is anything involving another woman or man or whatever. I wouldn't, uh-uh. Anything that makes me feel like you are cavorting with someone else in that manner or you are introducing someone else, a third party into our marriage, we will not work through. You can go deal with that person one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> there you go. You got your little pass. And so that's some, you just have to have your hard boundaries. It is what a TIT is. So I'm not a fan of Pedro in this episode and I feel bad that Chantel left. As a man, I'm really shocked that Pedro didn't say, okay, if she's leaving, let me, let me leave and you stay home safe. I definitely would have said, hey, if you're gonna go, if you want space, I'll go. You stay here and stay safe, I'll go. Because at the end of the day, she's still your freaking wife. You don't want her roaming around in the middle of the night in despair. So uh, he's showing a lack of consideration from her for her on a lot of fronts. Um, and I'm glad she had her brother to lean on. That's what family's for, beautiful family. I love the way they rally around one another when they go through things. You never hear an I told you so, you never hear an, well, it's your fault because you, it's a, what do we need to do to help you through this situation? And that is a blessing and a beautiful thing to have. See, you can never get too far with somebody who has a strong safety net. That's a beautiful thing. And she will always be reminded of the self-respect that she's missing. 
uh, that she needs, not missing. She has it. The self-respect that she needs and good for her. And she's always backed up. And that is the best place she can be. Also good on Winter for not um, dealing with no drama. She saw red flags and got the hell out of there. And good for Winter. This is the season I want to see you in, girl. Good, good, good for you. Completely proved me wrong in my other episodes. Go listen to my other episodes and hear how wrong I was. So, yes, go Winter. Last but not freaking least, we saw the finale volume four of Stranger Things. If I tell you I was waiting on this with the bated breath, oh my goodness. Okay, so first of all, first things first, season four delivered, bitch. It delivered. Stranger Things is a freaking amazing. I love this show. And the breakout star for me, and there are spoilers ahead. The breakout star for me was my king, Eddie Munson. I love him, as well as Luke Sinclair. I'm so proud of Luke Sinclair, not only overcoming his bully, but overcoming the need to be popular, which is a very natural, and I love how these people are dealing with supernatural and these extravagant problems and these really heavy problems and unique problems, but they're still kids and they still go through normal kid things. Like I just want to be popular and I want to be cool and good for him. It was nice to see that. Um, I will say this Duffer brothers <laughs> with this climate and everything that's going on, taking the opportunity to hold a black kid at gunpoint in your content is probably just not the good move. It is very triggering. It is very uncomfortable. And in a show that is supernatural, we don't have to have racism either. Like, I feel like people feel like if there's a black character, let's put racism in it to make it spicy. But it is really hard for a lot of people who are part of your black audience to stomach a lot of that. And it was for me, case in point, the big white teenage bully, the football player fucking tackling a little black girl Oh, that was hard to see. He manhandled her. I wasn't a fan of that. It, it just was so cringy. It was uncomfortable. Yes, she prevailed in the end, but it was, I just don't feel like they would have done that to a little white girl. They would have had this big burly ass dude tackling her face forward and pummeling her into the ground and holding her down. It was just uncomfortable to see. I don't think that they would have had, I mean, I don't think that they should have had Luke Sinclair be held at gunpoint. In the same way, I wasn't a fan of how they had this undertone from Billy last season in season three, where he was bullying Luke for very clearly not wanting his sister to be friends or to like a black boy. They never outright said it, but they did not spare the chance for, for Billy to try and harm Luke specifically. And they showed multiple times where the boys were standing together and Billy picked out Luke. And it was really hard to see and they never addressed it in a responsible manner. And I just wish content creators knew that if there's a black character, especially when it comes to supernatural things, you don't have to include racism. You know that, right? Like you can allow black people to just enjoy the content for what it is. It's almost like if you have a Jewish character, you have to always remind them of the Holocaust. You, you, you literally don't. You could just be responsible with your content and you can allow people to enjoy the content for the purpose of the content, which is these supernatural fantasy stories and these really cool things and all this stuff. Also, um, I found out Eddie Munson was, his character was based on one of the guys of the Memphis Three, which sent me on a whole rabbit hole. But Eddie Munson was the breakout star. And of course we know that he died. And I I had to see who died when I kept seeing love beloved Stranger Things character dies in the finale of season four. And I was like, oh gosh, there are a few people I don't want it to be. The Sinclair kids, the core four, or Eddie Munson. Or Steve, but the core four, the Sinclairs and Eddie Munson. I was I was willing to let Nancy, Steve, or Jonathan go. I was willing to let the pizza guy go. Um and I was also willing to let Will go, but no, I wasn't willing to let Hopper or Joyce Byers go, <laughs> but I was willing to let their friends who aided them in Russia go. But when I found out it was Eddie, what hell of a way to go. The way he played that guitar on top of that trailer with that red thunder bumbling in the crowd in the clouds. Oh my God. I was practically jumping out of my skin. That was a fucking amazing moment. That was one of those moments when you watch it the first time, you realize this is a classic legendary moment. This is a moment in a TV show or movie or content that I will never forget. 
I will, this will be referenced in pop culture. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not being dramatic. That moment, especially with the weight of that moment, he's calling the freaking bats to him. Mind you, Eddie Munson has a bat tattoo. He's calling the bats to him. He is handling this like a badass. And I'm going to be honest with you. I knew at that moment he was the one that was about to die. And I especially knew, I had a feeling when he told Steve, don't worry, Steve, we know you're the hero. We are not heroes. I said, oh, no, it's either going to be him or the little kid who I love the most. It's going to be one of them. But I knew it was Eddie because his arc was so great. His arc, he peaked and then he did it for fucking Chrissy. It was amazing. So, oh my God, they just nailed it with Eddie Munson. I'm sorry. I could just, I could do this. This whole 10 minutes is about to be Eddie Munson plus 10. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I freaking love Eddie Munson. I love him. And I was so sad. And he's played by Joseph Quinn. And I was so sad when he died, but he went out like a freaking G. Now, here's a problem that I have with Stranger Things sometimes. When they take a character out, or even just content in general, when they take a character out who's doing something heroic, there was almost always another way they could have done it without dying. And I'm looking at you, I am legend. But uh, there's always a way you can do it without you dying. There's a way you can do it. And, and I'm looking at you, Archive 81. Why did you let the little girl out, shut the window, and stand in front of the window? Because she had already ran away. She wouldn't have been visible. And he would have taken a little time to look through the apartment before he went to the window where both of you could have escaped. Why did you stay in the room? That's neither here nor there. You don't always have to die to have your hero ending. There were so many other ways that Eddie Munson could have lived and did the same thing that he did. Why didn't you run into a different trailer that wasn't getting ambushed and then run back to your trailer? There was just a way you could have done it. Cutting the rope made no sense. I understand why he did it, but it didn't matter because he ended up getting through it anyway. And you kind of put everybody in jeopardy. But Elle was a freaking badass in this episode. Max was a badass. Luke was a badass. It was so good to see Luke beat up his bully. And then Vecna said, you know, I'm going to go ahead and split this world up. And hey, bully, I'm splitting you too. <laughs> so it was good to see him boil to a pulp. Very happy to see that. Um, I was hoping in some way, shape or form, the people that Vecna killed could kind of come back in some way once he died. But he didn't die. Also, if you're going to kill a villain in a movie, shoot his head first. One to the head. Um two to the heart, one to the head is what they said in the movie Killers. And so if you're going to kill the bad guy, shoot him in the face first and then burn the body. Just a heads up, <laughs> just a heads up. Um, but that's just me. Also, as someone who is a big fan of The Walking Dead, go straight through the cranium, okay? <laughs> These villains don't die easy, okay? They just, they'll eat those bullets through the chest, through the arm, through the stomach. They'll be like, ah, got it. Not a big deal, but you got to take them out in the face. Got to take them out in the face. I feel like my imagination of who me and my imagination is like this ultimate badass. But see, Vecna would have never gotten through to me. Let me just be clear. I am Vecna proof because I am already a true crime proponent of true crime. I am a big fan of Jeepers Creepers. Um, he is, I'm a big fan of Michael Myers, big fan of Freddy Krueger. Vecna would have gotten in my brain and got his ass whooped. <laughs> He would have been like, what the hell? Who just chills with Jeepers Creepers in their brain? And I'm just going to be like me, bitch, and take him out. He would have been met with villains who were already taking up space. They would have been like, hey, man, this is my corner. We're already tormenting this girl. You're going to have to move around. Not only him, but Puppet Masters, the little head with the big body. Uh-uh. I still have nightmares about that. <laughs> little head, big body is just the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And, he, and the giant hands. He still pops up in my dreams from time to time to remind me like, hey, still fucking with your five-year-old self, girl. <laughs> still scaring you to death. So Vecna would have gotten my brain and gotten absolutely mollywopped. But um, that's all I've got, actually. Um, this was a fantastic finale. Team Eddie Munson always. I want Steve and Nancy to get back together. I know that's not the popular opinion. I know. But let me just tell you this. That man has passion in his eyes for Nancy. And Nancy has it for him. And they keep teasing us. I was so relieved to find out Steve was not dying due to that bat bite. Because if you can survive a bat bite from the underworld, you a bad man. So go Steve. Um, but it is good to see that everyone will recover, essentially. Now, I know that we left off with Will getting something in the back of his neck. And so this isn't over. And Vecna let us know that too. He let us know. Um, but Vecna looks like a little bloody Grinch. Have you noticed that? He looks like if somebody burned the Grinch. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I can't really take him seriously as a villain. First of all, fantastic cheekbones. Fantastic. And so anytime I see him and he's smizing, even through blood and gore, I'm just like, yes, bitch, come through with your moving hair. He's got a little Medusa. He's got a little bit of Grinch, a little Tyra Banks in the eyes, a little Naomi in the cheekbones. You're not going to get me to hate on a bad bitch. And Vecna is certainly that. So go Vecna. Now you need to leave people alone. Bring us Chrissy back. Bring us um, Eddie Munson back. Bring us everybody back except for um, Luke Sinclair's bully. And if I ever saw somebody gnaw on a bone the way that bully gnawed on that bone, oh, he was so hard to watch. He would not stop. Oh, I'm going to find him. Oh, I'm going to find him. Oh, I just wanted them to run him over with that RV. And first of all, stealing someone's house is not right. <laughs> How are you going to drive my house away during a family barbecue? Trash. Stranger Things kids are trash. Teens are awful. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and then there was one more I wanted to discuss. Um, a lot of the B character plots. But aside from that, it was a really great season. Joyce Byers found Hopper and they made it back and his reunion with Elle was absolutely beautiful and it was so good to see. She needed a win. We saw Papa get the fuck up out of here. Bye, Papa. And every time I heard her say Papa, if you haven't seen the movie Knocked Up, please go see it with Seth Rogen, Paul Rudd, and um, Katherine Heigl. <laughs> and he goes, uh, when they got shrooms and went to Vegas, they go to Cirque du Soleil and they're high on shrooms. And there's this ginormous baby going, Papa. And he goes, I'm not your Papa. <laughs> it is such a funny scene and it doesn't get referenced enough. And so whenever she would say Papa, I kept thinking about that giant freaking baby. Another participant in the Vecna better not come around here squad in my brain. But yeah, so that was really funny. And it was really good to see Joyce come back safely. I mean, I don't know that I would have gotten in that rickety ass helicopter, but what did they have to lose getting stuck in Russia some more? So they all made it work. And um, Joyce is such a bad mom. <laughs> She'd just be leaving her kids, knowing they're supernatural demons. She'd be like, deuces, bitch. Um, Will, in this situation with Mike, um, I want them to just say it. He drew that, he had that beautiful painting for Will, which is, he said, Will was the heart. And I, I want us to be very cognizant that boys can have affection for one another and it doesn't make them gay. They can literally love their friends and express that love. And we need to stop putting boundaries around that. Loving your friends openly does not make you gay. I am so loving to my friends. I like love, love, love my friends. And I treat my friends like I love them. And I'm openly expressive about that love. And it, I'm not gay. But I mean, if I were, I would just be happy to say so. But again, this is in the 80s. And so if you know, you know. Um, but Will, I want them to say it. It feels like they're hinting at it. And I think Jonathan immediately recognized it. He understands unrequited love. And so it sucks to see Will so hurt. Now the memes about what Mike could see on the back of Will's head whenever Will turned his head and was crying out the window and people were like, why can't Will, why didn't Mike see Will crying? And those little visions of like what Mike saw, y'all are trash. <laughs> y'all are freaking trash. But it was very funny. I'm going to be honest. It was very funny. And, um, but Will is going through a lot. We got to keep in mind, Will's childhood has been spent with his ass being thrown into hell and purgatory and brought back. He is stressed. And Mike has always been the lead friend who's always been the closest to him out of his group. And so he's going through it, y'all. He just going through it. He can, he actually could be just building an affinity to Will because that's his best friend. I mean, to Mike, because it's his best friend. But I do think they're hinting at a possible romance, like unrequited love in a romantic manner. And that makes me sad. And from what I understand, especially from the tweets, that is not so uncommon when people are dealing with um, identifying their sexuality and how they may or may not be different. And so I, I want to be very careful with that language because that is not a journey I went through. And I want to be very respectful of those who have. And I always want to make space for them to not only express themselves, but to not make a mockery or to belittle that experience. So if that is what Will is experiencing, I hope we get to see that full out and they actually identify it because I feel like they love doing this thing of like, is that person gay? Is that person not? And they kind of tease it, but they don't have to do that with straight characters. And that annoys 
annoys me. If you can make a straight character loud and proud and out as a straight person, they're tonguing down their straight their straight partners and their their heterosexual partners, and they're able to do all this expression when it comes to heterosexuality. Why can't they do the same with homosexuality? Trust me, I'm not questioning who I am and no way does that offend me. So why would I not need to see that as part of the story? If it's part of the story and if it's part of these characters' lives, show us. Anybody who has a problem with that has a problem with me. No, I'm just kidding. like gets unnecessarily aggressive. Who the hell got a problem? But that's some shit people need to address in themselves if they don't like to see gay characters. Y'all need to get over that shit. We can look at blue people. We can see fucking men throw their daughters off the side of mountains so that they can obtain a fucking gemstone so they can snap the world in half. We can see all this other stuff when it comes to character development, but we can't see gay people. <laughs> you don't have to tease. You can show gay people. They exist in the world and they're part of the storyline. You probably know 10 or 15 gay people and you don't know because they probably don't feel comfortable being themselves around you or it just ain't your sim simply ain't your business. Either way, we can see gay people in content without it being a hush, hush, secret, secret. Don't tell nobody. But in, in pure entertainment in America, we can see a out uh, woman. We can see a gay woman because in some way that, that appeals to a certain type of demographics fantasy. But we can't see an out man or an out boy. Trust me, gay people don't wait till they're adults to be gay. They're already gay, but they usually have to fit themselves into a box because society does not allow them to be free. And I don't want to tell anyone's story for them. I'm just speaking on what I've observed. So we, if the Duffer brothers are intending to make Will gay and have him have this storyline of unrequited love, they need to make it apparent. They need to make him a, a person who is, I don't want to say he doesn't have to be open and proud because he's still developing and he's still growing into that. But it would be great if the show itself handled it responsibly and allowed us to know so that we could operate with respect towards him and who the character is with integrity. I don't think they're doing that with integrity. That's just my personal opinion. There's a few things they did not handle with integrity. Putting Luke Sinclair at gunpoint, fucking terrible decision. That was triggering as hell to watch, especially after seeing Jalen Walker's situation over the weekend. That was fucking hard to see. Oh, I cannot tell you the dread. I almost turned it off. The dread that befell me was fucking terrible. So those are my thoughts on Stranger Things 4. They fucking nailed that finale. Fantastic job. Stop putting racism in your content, if, especially if it's not integral to the storyline. Why, 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 why? Why do you got to do that? Black people have other things that we go through because we're people. We're people. So we have to decide on colleges. We get to decide on what sport we want to play. We get to go through things such as, do I want to prioritize this class over that class? My parents are putting pressure on me to be this, but I want to be that. We have so many stories to freaking tell. Racism don't always have to be the one. And it's exhausting. Also, if you have a gay character, you don't have to hint at it, especially if you have a gay boy character, because it seems like male, gay male characters are always the ones that we're not sure. We don't know. It can just be, a, it can just be it. It could just exist. The fact of it can just exist. We don't have to have a dissection of it. We can just let a gay character be gay. And just, I be gay, yo. Like you can just let people be gay. <laughs> so um, yeah, I think they need to handle some things with more integrity and more responsibly and we can just move on from there um i also saw some discourse about lovecraft country this is so unrelated to anything we talked about today i saw some discourse about lovecraft country and as much as i love that show and i felt like it deserved a second season i felt like it had to come in strong season one to kind of prove itself and set itself up but i do think there were things behind the scenes that once i found out about them it made it very hard for me to not only support the show but to support the people who were responsible for the show um from what I know, and again, I don't know everything. So I try to reserve judgment, but it can make me very cautious about consuming those people's content. Um, but also in addition to that, I felt like some of the things on the show, I, I don't always, as a black person, I don't want to always watch racism. And so although some things needed to be addressed for the purpose of the show, sometimes I just want to watch supernatural things, or I just want to watch a fantasy, or I just want to watch a good show. And I don't want to have to to look at my ancestors suffer. I don't want to have to revisit things that I'm very well versed on. I don't want to have to sit there and re-suffer through things. Um, I, I just don't want to have to do that. If we can, we have to visit it, we have to visit it for the purpose of the show, but do we have to watch it? 
um, I, I just can't. And I think I'm exhausted with it. And it would be different if we were revisiting these things because they're over now and we just want to remind people where we were so that we can continue on a path to greatness and be better than we were. But a lot of that stuff still happens. So I'm traumatized in my day-to-day and then I'm re-traumatized in my, my, you know, my culture and my race's past. The past of my race. I'm going to say my race's past. The past of my race. We've been through a lot. Our, our people have been, every group of people have been through something. But our people have been traumatized a lot. And I just don't like making content out of our trauma. I just feel like it's not entertaining for me to watch. The show itself was incredibly entertaining. But I felt like I had to fast forward through so much particularly the Tulsa thing and the Emmett Till show, the episode about Emmett Till and the episode about the Tulsa riot, um, the Tulsa massacre. That was kind of my limit there. That was hard. That was really hard on me. And that sat on my psyche for weeks. I could not get the image out of my head. There's also a commercial about Emmett. So there's a show on Hulu about Emmett Till's mother. And the commercial for that sat in my psyche for weeks of that mob of white men carrying that little boy out into the car in the middle of the night, like guiding him into the car. You know the story. So you know where they were taking him. You knew the fear he felt being dragged out of bed by a mob. Just the commercial fucked me up for weeks. I need a break I could not escape it. It was ads on my computer, ads on my phone, ads on every social media app. And the ads were traumatizing, not just the show. I actively avoided the show. I tried to mute it. I tried to mute everything related to the show and they still poke their head out. I would, I'm begging for people to center black people in their content without traumatizing the shit out of us. Now there are some people who want to see that content and that conversation needs to be had on a broad scale. Don't market it to me though, because I already know. Market it to the people who need to see that shit because I'm not one of them. I already know. I already suffer from it and I already deal with it. So I'm actually not mad at them not bringing Lovecraft Country back. As far as I'm concerned, that's just another show traumatizing me and others like me. We can tell our stories and we can remind people where we've been and share the gruesome facts and racism just by reading the fucking news. <laughs> just by, We can just advocate for, for more um, objective news pundits and more objective news cycles and news sources, excuse me, and, new, and content platforms. We could just advocate for that shit. I just don't want to keep being re-traumatized by stuff that is harrowing. That's it. So I'm actually fine with Lovecraft Country not coming back, and that's just my opinion. I support black creators, obviously. Um, And yes, the hard topics do need to be discussed, but they need to be discussed with integrity and responsibly. And every time a black person shows up in a show, we don't have to say, and racism and stamp the shit out of their forehead and just have this fucking Dementor with a racism badge on following this character. The Dementors, it just doesn't have to be that. That's just my opinion though. And, And I'm sure that is very different from what a lot of people feel. Now I'm happy to have had responsible parents who shared history with me in a way that I could always know and I would always be aware you know I'm, uh, I'm I was a little black girl in the south so I had to know some stuff but it did not dominate so our content doesn't have to be dominated by triggering things trust me we know because we're still living through a lot of it could we just get a break and I think that was why people loved Martin Fresh Prince Issa Rae Lisa, you know living single girlfriends it doesn't always have to be so damn traumatic. That's all I've got to say. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, the episode will now, up, you know, you can listen to it here today, but the episode will be up on YouTube tomorrow with a few visuals um, on my Sherry and Sade YouTube channel. Um, but thank you so much for watching or listening to the Queen of the Hills podcast. I'm your host, Sherry, and feel free to follow me on all my social media at Sherry and Sade. And I will see you next week. Bye.